Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. To the 184th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And we have a fun show tonight. Uh, despite the Seahawks' flagging record and uh, frustrating performance, uh, we still have things to talk about. We're playing the 49ers this week. It's going to be an interesting game. I think we'll, we'll hopefully we'll spend some time uh, going a little bit more in depth on that matchup than we have in some of the others in past weeks and i'm sure there will also be arguments uh to be had because we just can't help ourselves but argue about things that don't matter when you're three and eight but uh we will anyway so uh we're going to change things up a little bit uh it's gonna be the three of us tonight uh dana gorman at dana og on twitter nathan ernst at nathan e11 on twitter and myself but we're gonna have dana host tonight uh we're gonna see where dana takes us because you know what we need a fresh perspective. We need a different point of view. And uh, I think Dana will give that to us. So Dana, first of all, happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope you had a wonderful one. You too. It was great. I worked. You know, that's the joy of working at a hospital. You get to pick a holiday. But if I'm going to pick one, that's the one I'm going to work on. So <laughs> TV on in the corner and watch some football and work. So <laughs> Did you still get Thanksgiving food at, at any point? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. My whole family waits for me to get off work. It's so oh, nice. sweet. And so then we come home and eat. Yeah. So it's great. 
And Nathan, I should, before I hand off to Dana, I do want to know how your Thanksgiving was as well. It was great. Yeah, it was, uh, we had a good time. So took a week off work. It was really nice. Wow. The first Thanksgiving in your new place, right? Well, we, uh, we were over at my mom's this year. So yeah, I got to do uh, Thanksgiving with my mom again this year. So that was really cool. But yeah. Do you, do you bring something? Do you have like a signature dish? I usually cook the turkey. Oh, yeah uh my mother-in-law has a roasting pan which i'm not a huge fan of when we cook it at my house i do i do on the smoker and it's pretty awesome Mm, that sounds that sounds actually really appealing i think smoked turkey is something i've not done i tried indirect heat one time on our grill and half the turkey was raw so it's um we did a smoked turkey this year too it was really good yeah uh one thing I'll never do is the deep fry where I see people all the time blowing up their house. Like I, I would be one of those people that would set my house on fire. So I don't think I could do that. Um, Dana, mm-hmm. this team is, is going nowhere fast. It, it was another tough, yeah. tough game. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are jumping off the bandwagon. If, if you still call it a bandwagon at this point, uh, they're frustrated with Russell Wilson. They're frustrated with Pete Carroll. They're frustrated with just about everything. Um, what do you want to talk about? Well, um, I, I did watch the, the post-game show. And I will tell you that I, I was reading the chat. <laughs> I'm sure right now people are just so thrilled that I'm hosting and not you. But um, the thing of it is, is this, is that there was emotions from every end of the spectrum. And I think that's where these the team is I I think that's where the fan base is is that they're kind of in a tailspin and it's a little not it's not really surprising because it's been a really long time since they've been in this place right this was the team that won the division and won 12 games last year right so it's been frustrating and I think that that's kind of the overwhelming feeling with everyone including Pete Carroll and the players is frustration because I don't know that they know what's going wrong with the team. So it was frustrating to watch. Um, I don't, I think that maybe some people overlooked Washington. They're on a three game streak that they're winning, you know, they think Tyler Heineke and they think that, that it can't be all that good, but they actually are a pretty good team. And we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. So, um, but I think they're just frustrated. Um, it, it was a, I want to know from you guys about this. The the first thing that was really kind of overwhelming to me right after the game was the press conferences and the look on the faces of the players and the look, um, the the tone of Pete Carroll, which of course he's now flopped a little, you know, Pete Carroll's the ultimate cheerleader. And so by midweek, he's, you know, somewhat happy again, but, but did you guys go back and watch any of those press conferences or see any of them? And, and the, the players were still trying to be positive but you could just feel it from them. Nathan, did you get a chance to watch any of those at all? Not this week. I only caught a little bit of Russell Wilson. We talked a little about that. And Mm -hmm. he was, you know, Russell is always very cliched and, you know, the robot and all that stuff. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like he believed it. It seemed like he truly was that corny, uh, and this week, it felt very much like he was going through the motions on mm-hmm. some of that kind of rah-rah, cliche stuff. And so uh, even just in a little bit of that kind of, of, of rust, I noticed it. And like last week with Pete and everything, you know, it was super obvious. I, I agree. And and he had looked, I mean, I think Brian, you and I talked about this for a second. He looked like he had been, you know, upset. And, and Jamal Adams flat out admitted that he was late to the to the 
you know, to the locker room because he was crying. He was so frustrated. He was crying in anger. And, and it was very, um, it was very different. And I think that we have, like you've said, we've seen in the past this raw rawness of it, but Brian, that is completely, was completely gone until this week. Pete Carroll seems to have kind of flipped that switch a little bit, but appropriately not like we're going to win everything, you know? He, he seems to kind of still be matching the tone, but trying to keep a positive spin on it. Well, I mean, the interesting part of that, Dana, is you, your first question would be like, why? Well, maybe that my first right. question is why. Right. And, and for some folks that are listening to this show, they've been fans of the team for many, many decades, right? And seen team up, seen the team down. Other folks really haven't seen this like mm -hmm. maybe they were fans since Pete Carroll's been around uh they've never had a record this bad maybe maybe they were around for you know 2005 and and possibly paid attention during the four and 12 year with Holmgren his last season mm -hmm. and, and the Maury year but in any event what happens in these moments when teams reach irrelevance and where their season has no point from a <laughs> from an actual chance to win something meaningful perspective, football is like an incredibly violent sport. It takes a lot of courage to play it. It takes a lot of toll on your body. The careers are incredibly short. And what starts to happen is one, people start making a lot of business decisions on the field. Like mm -hmm. they, they preserve themselves. Um, they preserve the money that they hopefully can make um, by preserving their bodies. And often they also start, you know, kind of backbiting in the worst case scenarios where like you start getting pot shots. And I think Gerald Everett's comment about pass protection was kind of veering in that direction. And Russell Wilson was pretty savvy to not fall for some of the the traps there when he was asked about Everett's comments so I think what Pete Carroll is trying to do is make sure this team doesn't go in the tank like as bad as this offense has been they've been able to be in every one of these games mm -hmm. and I think the only reason is because the defense has continued to put in effort I'm not getting into the defense debate I'm just saying like that's oh been, we're going to get in that debate but that's okay that, 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 that's been happening <laughs> But if the defense just like stops playing with heart and they stop making the tackles and they stop like, then this is going to get to be like 40 to seven games. Like, mm -hmm. and then Pete Carroll can just walk away. Like, I mean, that, that, that's where it can go, where you, if you lose the team and you lose the locker room, coaches don't survive that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't get the feel of that yet. Now, I mean, maybe if they go into Houston, and lose to Houston, maybe that's it. They're like, we're out, whatever, we'll see you later. I don't quite get that feeling from what I've been hearing lately, but granted, what we hear from the media is, is very well calculated. We understand that, right? You know, we, we I think most people really understand that. Um, and things are said um, purposefully, I guess, for lack of a better word. But here, here's the thing, and I, there were two things that happened today. Let's, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, first of all, there are two things for sure. Adrian Peterson, the Seahawks signed him today. The ridiculousness that went on on Twitter after that announcement was made was crazy to me. Um, 
I have a very, I have a very clear picture of why they signed Adrian Peterson, but I would ask Nathan, I have a feeling I know what he's going to say, but Nathan, how do you feel about them signing Adrian Peterson? A running back, you know, your favorite position, this is the position you want that you, that you want to coach someday. I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. This is going to come as a shock. I, I don't really care. <laughs> right. Uh, but should you, I don't think you should. I don't think you should. I mean, uh, I won't steal your your thunder on this, Brian, because I think you're probably right about the reason on that. But like, they need bodies. Adrian Peterson's a body. I'm sure Josh Johnson will get carries if he's earned them. Um, and if not, it doesn't really matter because running backs don't really matter. So he's a body. Good job. They have rostered a running back. You need to do it. That's a couple guys. That that's my take on the whole thing. But, but do you think that they should have? I, we know Brian, and Brian's going to talk about it. You got to let the young guys play. I, I get that. I want Brian to be able to talk about that. But do you think they should have even bothered? Or, or with Rashad Petty, they are saying, oh, we don't think he's going to go to IR, but it's Rashad Petty, right? Like we know that that's probably going to happen at some point, maybe, or he'll get hurt again. Um, do you think they actually physically needed that body? I mean, they're in a way better position. Yeah, I think they do. And they're in a way better position to evaluate that than I am. So I'll trust mm-hmm. them on it. Now, if they think he's going to bring something to the team, then they're out of their minds. But I don't think that's what that is. I think they they just went and got a warm body who maybe, you know, brings a little juice, at least name-wise. Uh, something, you know, for the team to kind of... It's something different, right? I mean, you're talking about the locker room. Now, now you have Adrian, Adrian Peterson in there. Maybe it takes the attention off of why everyone's mad at everybody, you know? <laughs> Brian, I, I know that you had said you want the young guys to play. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I saw a little Josh Johnson in, in training camp, and I liked what I saw. He's a little bowling ball, you know, and in general, if you can get young running backs carries, you get them. And I, I think that the, not only do I think it's better for your chances to get results on the field, but I also think it can give your team some juice because those young guys are like playing for their careers. And so they put it all out there and um, they have the most, <laughs> the, the least wear on their treads. So they, you know, have the most explosion and they're the best they're going to be running backs for the most part are downhill from carry one to carry whatever. So um it's unfortunate that he's not seemingly going to get as many of those chances, but I think to what Nathan's saying, and maybe you're saying Dana, I do think whether we believe it, it makes any sense or not. I do believe that players in the locker room think it's meaningful that the team brought in Adrian Peterson, hall of famer, Adrian Peterson. <laughs> and that that's a move that kind of indicates there's still something at, you know, to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else. And do I think it makes a huge difference? No, but I think it makes a little bit of a difference to look around and see Adrian Peterson in the locker room. You know, I didn't really look at it from a locker room perspective. I, I guess you're right. You know, that it, it shows that the team is willing to do that. I, I looked at it more as we have seen this team lose two running backs in a single game, right? Like we've seen that happen before. Well, you already have lost Chris Carson. Rashad Penny's not going to play. You have Alex Collins. Homer's out still. I don't know if he practiced today or not. I didn't even see the report. Um, and so then you have, you know, so you have Collins and you have DJ Dallas, you've jo- you know, Josh, but it's like, if two of them go down, what, what do you have? You have to have somebody available. And I think that's what this is about. You have to have someone 
available. Who is at full strength? I got into it today. Evan has a very strong opinion about this. If you have not seen that tweet, feel free to look that up. Um, but I think that what I was, what I was seeing is he's already played this year. He's already been in with the team. He's already, so he's game fit. And so, yeah, there were people who were like, well, they could have pulled in this person and that person. They were named the names of people who haven't played in years. No, if something were to go down, they need someone who can actually play right away. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Plus there is, you know, the name factor there. So I think that that had a lot to do with it just simply because the running backs for Seattle have always seemed to be made of glass always. Like they just break so easily. So love it or hate it. And I know a lot of people hate it just simply because it's Adrian Peterson. And I get that. I, I understand that, but he's really just an injury insurance. I really just see it that way. And I think that people are, there were people who were like, Oh, what do they think they're going to win a Super Bowl? Of course not. We're a three win team. That's not what's going to happen here. That wasn't the point at all. So I don't know. It's interesting. Do you think either one of you can answer? Do you think though that um, this will see an increase in the runs at all, or the run game will, will increase. I, I mean, it was already, they ran it terribly this last weekend. So I don't even know if they'll bother. Nathan, do you think they should, re- do they should add more the run game? You think, you think that should happen? It can, it can solve all of their problems on offense. Yeah. I think they should I run agree. the ball 60, 100%. 70% of the time. <laughs> I think he's being sarcastic. All right. I want to talk about, I also was thought I want to talk about uh, Mina. So everyone knows Mina, right? We all love Mina. So Mina was um, on ESPN and she was had a whole segment about talking about what was wrong with the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know if you guys have gone to watch that or not, but she basically spent two minutes saying that everything that's wrong with Seattle started with the draft after they drafted Russell Wilson and that the front office is truly to blame for all of this. And she went on and she talked about, you know, she's fantastic. She's talking about injuries. She was talking about the constant change, you know, with offensive coordinators and this, that, and the other, but really she put all of the blame a lot, 99% of it on the front office and how badly they have drafted. She even went up and put in the, the top draft picks since 2013 and you know, there were only a handful of them that were actually on the team. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about, we're going to, I have on my little list, I want to talk about Russell. I want to talk about the line. I want to talk about defense. I want to talk about each one of those individually when we look at this, but I'm fascinated with laying this truly for the most part at the front office. She does include Pete Carroll. As you guys know, he's not just a head coach. He has a lot more pull than that. So what do you think about that? What do you think about when these national media people look and they say, you can't blame this on Russ. You can't even blame it on Shane Waldron. You have to blame it on the front office for everything that has gone wrong over the few years. Brian, let me go with you first. Well, we've talked about this a, a, a bit. Uh, you know, there's mm-hmm. no doubt that the Seahawks have made some really curious decisions, especially with their first round picks. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. she did include the trade. She talked about Jimmy Graham. She talked about Percy Harvin. She talked about all of it. Yeah, I think I think they've made some really odd decisions, both with the first round picks that they've kept and the first round picks that they've traded away. And so, yeah, I mean, what I haven't done and what keeps me from getting, like there's two things that keep me from just laying it all on the feet of, of, 
the draft and, and what's going on there, or John Schneider in this case, let's say. One is that I honestly haven't really done a good enough comparison to other drafts across the league, like over that time and, and how much, how many, you know, good players teams have picked up that Seahawks potentially could have had, or, or that how many good drafts they've had. Like I know in our division, Arizona has done reasonably well. I think the 49ers mm -hmm. have done reasonably well. I don't know if the Rams have done that well. Um, well, they don't have any picks. Right. I mean, but but <laughs> I think that the other thing is that Arizona and the 49ers have had some like the number one overall pick, the number three overall pick. And so people kind of like, well, the 49ers got Nick Bosa. The Seahawks would have never got Nick Bosa. And they would have never got mm -hmm. Kyler Murray. Like, so some of that I think is a little bit hard unless you really sit with it and look at it and see like, okay, teams relative to Seattle and, and, you know, picking no late, no earlier than the 23rd pick, how have they done? Um, mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of those teams to even choose from because most teams haven't, the Seahawks were the second winningest team over that stretch. So I, I do think people paper over that a little bit, even me, like all of us, uh, that, there's just a much lower likelihood chance that you're going to draft an impact player in the twenties than you are in the top 50. So that's one part. The other part is what you said a little bit, like it's really hard for me to, I know for a fact that John Schneider and his personnel department work hand in hand with the coaches, not just Pete Carroll, but the position coaches, the coordinators to find the players they want. Tom Cable's a great example where we knew that like Tom Cable had a heavy hand in the, in the offensive linemen that were getting picked. Mike Solari does now. And we've seen a difference. We've actually seen better offensive line choices relative to what Tom Cable was picking. So <laughs> that's why it's a little hard for me. Like you pick the player for the scheme and for the coach and what they're trying to run. It's not just purely based on who's a better player. So I know that, that those might seem like equivocations, but I think they're pretty important nuances. Um, but what I will say is absolute fact, the Seahawks have had not nearly enough blue chip players to sustain excellence. That's, that's just a fact. No matter who you blame for it, that's a reality. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, Nathan, oh, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, I was gonna say, so on the subject of how they've done relative to the league, um, so Matt Conley actually on field goals a couple of years ago broke this down. He looked at it from, I think, what is it, 2013 to 2017. And mm -hmm. they ranked 25th uh, in drafting uh, across all their picks. Uh, and that's relative to uh, like expected AV. And so adjusted value, one of the biggest weaknesses there is how they grade offensive linemen. They just divvy up credit for the offense to the offensive linemen. And so you have guys like, uh, I don't know, pick one of your favorite offensive linemen they drafted Posick. in that period, huh? Ethan Posick. Sure. Uh, well, this is 2017, so it's before yeah. that. But, like, Michael Bowie or somebody like that, he's getting credit for all the stuff that, like, Russ and Marshawn and all and Doug are doing. So um, they're likely even worse when you consider that. Um, so they really have been bad at drafting. The trades have been um, bad. You know, there's Jimmy Graham, who was okay, but you know, not probably the player that they were hoping for, or not the mm -hmm. impact they hoped for. The Sheldon Richardson trade was a disaster. Um, you know, the Jamal Adams trade was expensive as hell. And, you know, however much you can blame them for it, you know, it's going to cost them a pretty high draft pick this year. Um, 
so and then uh, you know Danny Kelly ran through this and looked at their free agent signings uh, on Twitter last night. Uh, very funny tweet. Uh, also, you know, laugh to stop from crying type tweet. Um, so yeah, I mean, is it all there? No, I mean, you know, um, I think Pete's coaching hasn't been ideal. There have been times where Russ hasn't been ideal. Um, but I mean, if you're talking about what maybe the biggest issue for this team, I think it's pretty fair to lay it at John and, you know, executive VP Pete's feet. Mm-hmm. So this this is something that I, I actually had someone ask me at work today because everyone wants to talk to me about what's wrong with Seattle. Isn't that funny how when the Seahawks oh really God. are bad, everyone wants to yeah. talk to you about them? It's like, well, look to me Chiefs to solve fan. this problem. <laughs> I know, they always do. Like all day at work, Dana, what's wrong? Is it because Russell's hurt? And I'm like, yep, and just let it go because they're not that deep, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it right there. Um, you know, but it, I would, there's brought up to me today, you know, when you look back, that um, they, they asked me about our owner and we have brought this up a few times. In fact, there's a little heated discussion about it in our chat um, about, well, they didn't even know who still owned the team and that's fair, they're Chiefs fans, whatever. But I said, oh, you know, it was Paul's sister. And they're like, oh, it, you're like, does she like football? And I'm like, I don't know. And I want to ask you guys about this because it got a little heated in chat about it because Derek decided he had a defender. I thought that was adorable. I don't even know why all of a sudden Derek decided he had a defender. But I think that when you look at it, it really comes all the way down. So it starts at the top, the pressure comes down. And I just feel like Pete and John have had a lot of leeway. My question is for you, what is, what about the scouting? Now I've had some people ask us, well, what about your scouts, your scouts, your scouts, your scouts. And I'm like, really, it's not like, is it like baseball where there's 7,000 scouts out there? Or they really just rely on these few people who go out, they watch these college games and then just give them their opinions but is it how heavily do they weigh those it's a question i honestly don't know so that's why i'm asking they have a pretty extensive scouting department and they divvy up by region usually Mm -hmm. Um, so they'll have like a southwest regional scout right 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 there and go to all those things um and so yeah i mean they've There's been scouts, they they often they get a little bit of spotlight during the draft where the, if that person's player was chosen, they'll do a little interview and say what stood out about that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm spacing out. There's one that I just like, the guy was kind of comparing the player who was like a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick to like a Hall of Famer. And I was like, oh no, don't do that. I thought <laughs> it was, uh, maybe it was Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Is that his name? Kevin Peter? Yeah, Kevin Peter Lewis, yeah. He's uh, comparing him to like um, Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman or something like that. And I was like, oh no. That's a stretch. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, anyway, but yeah. And I know this is a little bit of a tangent from what you were talking about with the scouts, but one thing that the other thing that I think is a little hard with the, the talent part of it is I still, even with the way things are going, I think DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett, Will Disley, Chris Carson when he was healthy, Russell Wilson, Dwayne Brown. Like, I think there's enough talent there to be good mm-hmm. on offense. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say it's completely just talent based. Yeah. The reason I brought that up is because Nathan actually made a really good point um, in our chat where at back when Pete Carroll first took over, that he was, they were drafting so well and everything was going so well, clear through Russell Wilson. And Nathan brought up the point. He said this because Pete had already known those players. He was entrenched in college ball. 
So he knew those players and he's lost touch with that. So I wasn't, and I thought that was a really good point. It wasn't something that I had thought of before. Um, and so him losing touch with that college level player, I wondered how much then they leaned on their scouts for that information, because obviously other other teams do just fine with it. It's just Seattle that seems to be kind of lost at that. I don't know. So let's that might look. Have been a Jeff, though, to be fair. I don't know. Oh, okay. Sorry, Jeff. Sure? <laughs> I thought it was you. Okay. I'll I'm take sorry. credit for it. I say smart so, yeah, stuff all the time, so it was probably me. Okay. <laughs> well, well, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about where we are at right now with. Um, with like these players. So we were talking about Russell and there's been a lot of fighting on Twitter and social media about Russell. Um, people say he's complete trash. We should just dump him that he has no value, which there was a great back and forth between a national media member and some people saying you're crazy. If you don't think Russell Wilson is, um, is worth anything anymore to, you know, he's, we have those Russell Wilson is God's gift to the planet people too. So we have each extreme, right? So I want to know where you guys are at with Russell in his performance right now and what is lacking? Is it the line? Is it, is he hesitant? There are some people who say, Oh, well, he's hesitant because of the injury. And so he doesn't really want to go into, you know, he's not as willing to put his body at risk after the injury. Is it um, just simply that he's completely fallen off the ledge and doesn't remember how to play football anymore? Where, where are you guys at with Russell? Nathan, I'm going to start with you. I mean, it seems pretty obvious that his finger is still a major issue. Um, you know, I mean, he just sailed balls. Um, and I think it's pretty concerning because I think he missed, like, just had, you know, very inaccurate passes more this week than maybe the last two weeks combined. Mm -hmm. I think definitely more than either of the previous two games. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think it's unfair or... It's, it, I think it's absolutely fair to still look at him and say that injury is still affecting him and that's a problem. Um, but it does also seem like it's gotten to be more than that. Um, you know, what was maybe rust uh, in that Green Bay game now starts to look, it's, it looks more like he's pressing and flustered and completely just out of rhythm and he's just playing poorly and making bad decisions and uh, the sequence that really like highlighted that for me was so he misses DK on that third down play, which honestly I don't think was that bad because I think he had Everett. And again, like I think the you know, he just had an inaccurate ball. And DK goes off and huddles up with Gino and it looks really bad, right? And then the next very next drive, he forces two balls to DK that like it was just dumb. Like DK was covered. You know, DK was mad about a play that he got open and didn't get the ball I, I don't think dk is over there saying throw me the ball no matter what right but like that's how russ seemed to respond to it and i'm just sitting there like no russ hit him when he's open he's good he gets open a lot just wait for him to be open and then throw him the ball like you don't mean to do this thing where you're forcing it so i mean he's he's got more problems than just his finger right now um I mean, we know he can be a really good player, but it's been a while since we've seen that consistently. And I think you have to wonder just kind of what shape can he get back to? His passer, I think his rating was 110 in this game. And it looked like it should have been zero. Like it was just like, I, he's, his numbers don't always match up to what we are seeing on the field because he looked a disaster in this game. And yet he really wasn't a disaster. Brian, where does that 
switch come from? Where, where, where is it that we see Russ and what we expect from him? And then, you know, it, then the numbers and, and other people are like, well, you know, he's, he's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you understand my question? I'm sorry. I think so. If mm-hmm. I don't answer it right, come back and, and we'll let me know. But, but I mean, you talked to somebody who tweeted during the game, Russ is not broken because everyone was saying that Russ is broken. Mm-hmm. And then maybe half an hour later said Russ shouldn't be playing. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm right there with everybody else <laughs> where it's like, you know, I, I am, I am basically, most people consider me someone who's like harder on Russ than mm-hmm. um, other folks. And I think it's because there's a lot of folks that are just would never say a bad thing about Russ and that everything's someone else's fault. I, I try to just look at it like any other player. I mean, Matt Hasselbeck was one of my favorite players that's ever played. And he did a lot of things that were really not great. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't be sad to say it, but um, in any event, I, I, I'm like, I would say 98% sure that if this was like, this was the end of the season, um, like that was our last game that I feel like uh, I'd have real confidence that Russell would just be back to Russell next year. Mm-hmm. Like that an off season of healing up and whatever. I just don't believe that the things that we're seeing that he's not doing well from a mechanic standpoint are just going to be that way forever. Like I, I just, I think that's, I think that's just emotion. I think that's just people mm-hmm. being really frustrated and sad um, uh, with what's going on. And maybe a little bit just not knowing, you know, football, but I, yeah, I'm not going to assume that I know more than someone else. So that that's part of it. Um, but I do agree with Nathan that there's something else going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think some of his challenges in the past have been exacerbated. And I don't know if that's because he and Waldron aren't seeing eye to eye, if he's pressing because you know, coming back, if I just step back and I didn't know anything about the record, I would look at that last game as bad as it was for the most part and say, I saw Russell in that game. Like he appeared mm-hmm. in that game. And it wasn't a great game for him. Ugh, that sucked, but he was there. And that's the first time I think I've been able to say that since he's been back, which gives me the impression that he'll, he should probably take further steps forward. Um, and it's also going to matter who they're playing. They just played the Green Bay Packers, top five defense, the Arizona Cardinals, top five defense, the Washington football team, which I don't know. They're probably a top 10 defense. I don't know what they mm-hmm. are. Does anyone know? So yeah like if if he had been playing against Jacksonville would he have had as good or better numbers than Geno Smith probably I hope so I would hope (laughs) Um, so but at the same time I think Geno Smith probably would have been better than Russ the past couple of games like that that's I mean that sucks to say but I I do believe that that Russ has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL for the last three weeks like that sucks. That sucks, but that's just where it's been. So I, I am not at all off the rust bandwagon of someone who's a top franchise quarterback. Either he's going to do it here. He's going to do it somewhere else. And I think, you know, look, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is what 37, 38, something like that. he's, he's in his late thirties and he had an MVP season last year. 
doesn't mean I think Russ is going to be an MVP in the future. Um, I think that ship sailed, but uh, I think he has plenty of good years left. So, and I think he's going to have plenty of trade value if they decide to trade him. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, what, one other thing, 49ers mm-hmm. fans that are in the chat, fuck off. Like, right. There's so many of like, them. Russell Wilson at his worst is probably going to beat Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday. Like you, <laughs> even if you win and you blow us out by 5,000 points, Jimmy Garoppolo is still your quarterback. Like you're going I, nowhere. I've watched <laughs> nowhere. McCoy. I've watched Taylor Heineke. I've watched <laughs> Russ with four fingers on, on one of his hands. Uh, and by far the worst quarterback I've seen this year is Trey Lance. So good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. uh, but now that said, coming back around. By the know, way, one of our only wins, one of the only three wins this team has is against your fucking team. They went like three and out five times in a row. Uh, uh, football Outsiders is not quite as rosy on the defenses that they've faced the last few games. They have Arizona at three, so that's very good. Green Bay at 13, so that's still you know a pretty good team. Uh, they have Washington all the way down at 31. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought they'd been much better than I that. I think the Bucks would have a different point of view. <laughs> they yeah. they came in with a reputation that I don't know that they've quite lived up to this year. Oh, maybe that could be because I'm <laughs> going into the year. I thought that they would be one of the best defenses out there. So maybe yeah. that is a little bit of it too. You know, um, going back to Russ, Russ said something interesting in his press conference that kind of sat with me. And he said that, um, you know, these are the type of games that people expected them to win. You go down, you have, you give Russ ball, he's got two minutes left. He's going to go score and he's going to get the two point conversion and it's done. And he said that those close games, they haven't been able to flip and win where they've always been able to, for the most part in the past, been able to do that. And that was really frustrating to him that, that they aren't on the winning side of those close games. Like they have been for so long to me. I, I think part of that is Russ and his injury and a few other things. But I think a lot of that comes back to Shane Waldron too. And it's something that we saw at the end of the season last year that was so frustrating. And now we're continuing to see it now, even with the new OC, is the inability to adjust in game. They just don't seem to be able to do it still. I still think that is just a huge, huge issue. So it's my two cents on, on Wilson. I still think that he's a franchise quarterback without question. Um, did you guys know that we had an offensive lineman get a zero <laughs> Great. <laughs> Kyle Fuller, congratulations! Zero, zero point zero. PFF <laughs> has changed something about their grades this year because <laughs> I, I mentioned this early on because Brian, you were sharing it and you were like, they gave Kyler uh, a Kyle Fuller like a, a six, and I'm like, I've never seen grades this low, and now he's gotten a zero. I've never seen. How do you get a zero? What does that even mean? Like you just did not do a single thing right? How? But like you didn't play, but he right. played. We saw him play, right? Like we knew he was there. But you want to get back to the personnel thing. If yeah. there's a if there was PFF grades for personnel and and choices, offensive line, like draft picks have been just awful. Like Damian Lewis is the best one, maybe, and he's not had a great second year. Like, when's the last good offensive lineman that the Seahawks picked? When's the last one? Walter maybe. Jones. What's that? <laughs> maybe. 
going to say maybe James Carpenter <laughs> qualifies. He signed a, a large deal with the Jets. Like maybe if you don't say that, then you get to Russell Okung, who was yeah. the first pick, you know? And then, you know, you know, so like maybe one, maybe two of all their offensive line. 10 years ago, out. 12 years ago. <laughs> George Fant got paid. <laughs> I know. And he's, yeah, like it's bad. <laughs> it, that, that like, yes so i'll defend john i'll defend john at least a little bit on that one because i I feel like they make weird decisions though the coaching staff does like what do they love about kyle fuller like i why is he on the team why is he getting snaps over phil haynes like at at guard too like it's not like post-it got hurt again and you got to play him what are you what are you waiting to see? What do you see? What do you think you see in practice? And how have you had Noak and Tedrick Thompson and Therald Simon and all these guys that were apparently, you know, weekday warriors on in practice and they're terrible in the game and the and they just keep rolling like this will be the this is the time. This now it's Kyle. No, it's not. It's never gonna be Kyle Fuller's time. Stop trying to make Kyle Fuller happen. Well, you know what's you know, you know what's really good about that, Nathan, or what's terrible about that is it's not just Kyle Fuller. So they actually did draft another good offensive lineman, um, Mark Lewinsky, and oh, they let yeah. him go, and he became like a Pro Bowler for the Colts. Phil Haynes, for all we know, is going to be the next guy that is in that situation where it's like he actually graded out pretty darn well every time he stepped on the field, whether preseason or even in the playoff game against the the Packers, and he can't see the field so that 0.0 Kyle Fuller can play. Like, what the hell? I know. that it's And it's decisions like that that I think truly push this fan base over the edge, where, like, why? Like you said, stop making fetch happen. Like, it's just not going to happen, and, and they just get – it's like they they pick a pet i hate to say that about a human being but like they pick a pet and they're like you are we are going to prove everyone wrong with you you know we are going to make you work and and i don't know like you said i don't know what happens because they'll say oh they look great in practice they look great in practice and then they just don't show up hopefully the 0.0 will get bill haynes on the field i i don't know that it'll happen but we'll have to wait and see it's just crazy but i think when talking about the offense i think that i agree with you brian i think that you look at it, it's a talented offense. I, I mean, the line is special. Dwayne Brown's had a great game if you look at his grades. I mean, he's old as the hills, but, you know, he still does his job really well. And and, and the talent in in the wide receivers and in Russell, I still think that there's a lot to be happy about and grateful for and, and think that you could build around the people that you could hold on to. Maybe not the line, but other people you could hold on to, um, to, to build around going into next year. And that's kind of my whole point of all this. It's like, so who, who is there enough there that you could build around it? And I think on offense, there are a handful enough pieces that you could build around that. But we're going to talk about the defense now. Now I'm going to let all of our listeners know. <laughs> These two do not agree on the defense. I'm just going to say that right now. Don't roll your eyes. I swear to God, we're going to keep it nice, but they just don't agree. And so I'm going to, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Brian go first, because if you've been watching his Twitter, you can see he's putting out these stats and um, then I'm going to make a point later. And then I'll let Nathan say, because I don't understand this argument. So I, I'm going to let them figure it out. So 
Brian, you have been defending this defense the last couple of weeks and that they deserve some respect, that they have gotten better. They're doing a great job. Nathan doesn't always agree. So, so tell me why you think the defense is doing such a good job and that, that you're proud of them. My defense of the defense. I, I don't know what my EPA <laughs> per, per tweet is, but Sorry, I, guys. We'll, have, we'll have to see <laughs> Sorry. After, after this. No, I mean, honestly, it, it does. The part of it that, that gets that triggery for me, like not, it's not really, Here's the thing. I don't think the defense is elite. I don't think the de- we've had this conversation, right, Nathan? Like, I don't, I think we're in agreement there. There's common ground. What the reason I keep putting out information about this is a couple things. One is as a fan, just purely as a fan, I'm watching these games. They're hard to watch, right? They're really hard to watch. And I think they're really hard to play in too, especially if you're on defense or if you're one of the receivers who's running around, you're not getting the ball. And anyone who's played a sport or worked in a job or done anything where it's just like you're working your ass off and other people aren't doing their jobs well, it's frustrating. It sucks. And so what I see is a group on defense that is actually like playing the best they possibly can, whether that's elite. I don't, that's not like, I don't care about that. Like, yes, it'd be great if they're elite. I don't think they're elite. And I don't think I've ever said that. And I don't intend to imply it, but maybe some of my tweets have, have uh, for whatever reason, done that. But that's not my belief. So what gets me a little uh, jank there is I don't think I've seen an offense do this little for this long since maybe 92, where it's just like, just like a, a defense trying and the offense just doing nothing. And so I feel like I see like it feels to me like there's almost this concerted effort, a campaign to say the defense sucks too. The defense sucks and they're no good and they don't deserve any credit or any respect. And I feel like that's a real disservice to those guys. I think it's a disservice to Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs and Al Woods and DJ Reed and guys that I see throwing their bodies around and making plays when a lot of guys would be making business decisions by this point in the season. So I think that's, that's the underlying reason why for me, when I feel like people are overlooking or belittling what I see as a noble, like, and, and meaningful effort, I, I try to step up and, and say why I think that those guys do deserve credit and they do deserve mm-hmm. respect. Um, I think saying whether they're elite, great, good, average, below average, that's where it's just fan bullshit. Like we can all debate that. Maybe Mm -hmm. it'd be fun to debate, but like, I think that it's hard for a defense to give up, um, to be sixth in the NFL in points allowed and call them bad, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know? And, and I, I think where some of the tweets get, you know, we go through it is, um, even yards, yards, yards per drive, yards per play. Um, expected points added a lot of these things are derived in an effort to figure out how to either score points or prevent points or predict whether teams will score points or prevent points and so while i think process there's a process and results conversation to have i'll just always prioritize points scored and points over anything else because that's what determines the outcome of the game so saying that a team's really good at not allowing points but there's some other derived stat that says they're bad. 
I'm just going to personally prioritize the stat that decides the outcome of the game. And mm -hmm. it's okay to disagree with that, but that that's kind of my perspective. So um, I don't know if that, that makes any sense. <laughs> it, it does. And I will tell you that the reason that it was so funny that I was so focused on the two of you's conversation about this is that you were bringing up all these stats, like your points allowed, that sort of thing. And Nathan, then you had stats to, to kind of argue some of those points. And Derek and I had just gotten into an argument in chat. And I said, you can use statistics to prove whatever point you're trying to make, even if they're polar opposite points. And so I found it interesting that then you two were having this conversation. Um, so I know that you're not as high on the defense and that you have a bit of a, you know, an issue with, with them. Um, I know you don't hate the defense or anything like that. I know that's not what you're going to say, but just tell me why. Why are you not as high on the defense as maybe Brian is? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing, like, I'll echo what Brian's saying. Like, the defense is absolutely playing hard, and I really don't have any patience for anyone that wants to talk about football players being soft or, you know, there is a uh, Seattle blogger that I am not going to name who posted a video about how this team isn't giving enough effort and called out Bobby Wagner of all people. And you're just an asshole when you do stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. these guys are putting themselves headfirst into car crashes get, like many times over in a game and you want to question somebody's effort or desire or toughness, like just shut the hell up. So, right. I mean, like a hundred percent on the same page in terms of like what these guys are doing out there. Um, but uh, now I lost what I was going to say. I mean, yeah, I think, so there's a lot of, I mean, so, you know, Brian, you said you posted that they're number one in points allowed, I think over the last eight games or they're the, the pace that they've been on would be number one in points allowed over the season. Um, or something or close to that right uh but like points per game you're right that's ultimately what you're trying to do right but you know you can get a lot more nuance even just with points right if you look at where they are points per game versus points per drive they go from you know top three or whatever it was to 10th right and then if you start to look at things like EPA per play, which is, you know, measuring more about how they're doing, you know, overall on a play-by-play -play basis, then they're like 20-something, right? And if you look at DVOA, which pretty closely maps to EPA, but has a opponent adjustment, now they're even worse, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't think they're the 25th best defense, which is what DVOS, DVOA says they are. And um, you know, they're actually getting worse by DVOA. So it's not just like an early season uh, thing. They, they came out worse after the Washington game. Um, but the truth is probably somewhere in between. They're probably, for me, a, a below average defense. And some of the point stuff is pretty deceiving, especially when you look at just the last two, last two games and the kicking woes that the opposing teams have had. You know, I think, Brian, you just posted that they held um, their last however many opponents to below their per drive points per drive average uh but if you look at the washington game they missed they lost one point on a blocked extra point and then at the very last drive of the game when they could have put the score you know made it a two-score game they had to go for it on fourth down because their kicker was hurt so if you add those four points in now washington was exactly at their points per drive average right and then if you look at what the cardinals kick away threw away seven points and the Cardinals had Colt McCoy. <laughs> you know, if you're looking at Colt McCoy. He's our kryptonite. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But like, you know, so like, you know, you can just start to add in a lot of layers of context. And 
you know, with where the team is now, if anyone wants to say that the defense is worse than, worse than the offense, um, they're crazy. Uh, especially when you start to talk about like what side of the ball was supposed to be carrying this team to like a playoff push and a playoff run. Um, you know, the offense has, is bad. It's worse. And it's disappointed far more than the defense has. So there's no real conversation to be had there, but you know, my takeaway on this team right now is that everything is pretty bad and maybe Russ can get right. And maybe it's just an injury thing with him. And so maybe there's some upside with the offense, but the defense to me feels a lot like fool's gold. And I don't know that there's something like, you know, past this year. I don't know that there's a lot to really bank on there. Yeah, that's fair. So I, we're going to go to Patreon questions here in a minute if someone wants to pull those up. But I, I want just kind of just kind of a, a last thought before we do Patreon questions and then San Francisco, talk about San Francisco. I want I want to know what you guys think is is, wor- what, is worth in the rest of this season. What, what will we learn about this team what, going into the rest of the season? I, I don't I'm not I don't care if you think they're going to win any more games, I don't care if you think they're going to win all the rest of the games. What, what, what are we going to be looking for with this team, knowing that they're going to be done after week 17 and, and that, well, I guess there's 1% chance left guys. If you guys are holding on to that, there's 1% chance, but what, what do you think is worth? Is it just pure evaluation of talent of who you have on the team? Is it ending on an up note instead of a down note because we last year ended on such a down note and then this year has continued that so you do you want to see an uptick to kind of carry into next season what are you looking for for the rest of this season Brian I'm going to start with you well um I mean related and it to doesn't have to be real specific no, just no, no, kind I of what you're feeling that, yeah. that's I think that's that's a good question I think what I was reflecting on is I think it's two parts so uh Continuing with what we were just talking about in defense, um, I'm like, I part of, I think part of my reaction is I keep waiting for them to just like be screw this and mm-hmm. for the numbers to go crooked. And then it'll be like, yep, <laughs> told you it's fool's gold. I'm like kind of looking for that point where they're just like, kind of like in the Packers game, not that they stopped playing, but that they just were so worn out that they just like buckle. And so if that doesn't happen, starting with this week against a 49ers team that feels very confident, that is playing their best of the season, that's running the ball, you know, um, going to try to ram it down your throat. That is the way you break the soul and the will of a defense is if you can run it at that. And that's what the 49ers have been doing. And that's the best thing, the thing that they're best at. So I am really curious to see on that side of the ball, um, you know, Sidney Jones, like he's going to continue to play. I think he's been playing pretty well at corner. Mm-hmm. I think the corner position has been markedly improved um, since Trey Flowers left. And I think even once Trey Brown left with an injury, I think Sidney Jones has been doing okay. And DJ Reed, I think has been playing pretty darn well. Um, I want to see if the safeties continue to play well. Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams are playing really well. Jamal Adams mm-hmm. has had four really good games in a row Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean he's worth all that he was traded for and all that stuff but you know you have him now you want him to play well trust me (laughs) and he's been playing well so I want to see if that continues um and I want to see if there's any development Alton Robinson is now getting all of Carlos Dunlap snaps and Alton Robinson did flash a couple of times in that game I wouldn't say he was great but he was there so 
uh, you know, those are the things I'm looking for on that side of the ball. Offense, it's easy, Dana. I mean, mm -hmm. show show some semblance of, you know, quarterback play that allows this offense to run in some way, shape, or form. And maybe like if we ideally somehow get enough information to figure out if Shane Waldron is a guy that can continue. Um, mm -hmm. I know I don't think he can, but uh, that's, I think, a pretty important piece the rest of the way. Nathan? Brent took all the good answers. It, it's, it's, oh. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, the one thing I'll throw onto everything that I just said about how, you know, the metrics are all over the place on, on this defense. You know, if you look at EPA, uh, it says that they are horrible on first and second down and good on third down. And so where does that even out at, right? So that's something mm -hmm. to watch for. One of, one of the many things to watch for with, you know, is this defensive performance for real? Um, and yeah, and then it's, it's rest getting healthy. Waldron showing he can like call offense. Um, and I'll keep watching the press conference to press conferences too. Like I usually really scoff at, you know, the idea of like, you know, watching these and like taking a lot from them. And like, you know, I've said a lot of times Pete lies. He's a professional liar. That is part of the job. job. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I think that they are all wearing their heart on the, on their sleeves right now. And so, you know, just kind of watching how that evolves because i think it's at right now it's going to be a really interesting offseason it could be you know i look at this team and and i i want to see I, I i'm hoping that we still see some pride we've seen a lot of teams like brian has said you know we just that just bow out and you're done i would hope that they would have a little pride i want to see how they react to this adversity we have to remember that you know along with a lot of fans who are, are newer to the team and maybe haven't had to deal with this before this team has not had to do with this. Russell Wilson has never had to deal with this before, ever. And so how they react to that ad adversity is really interesting to me. And I want to see, do we learn from it? Do we pout? Like everyone's talking about how DK Metcalf is pouting, pouting, pouting. It's like, don't, don't do that. David. Give him, let's see how that he reacts and how they, they can come back from it. And if they can figure out how to win, you know, every week they're like, we're going to win the rest of them. And I like that attitude. Do I think they're going to hell? No, but I like the attitude. And I, and I hope that that how they react continues to show that kind of positivity because that's what I like, right? We watch sports to see, to kind of uplift us. And I know that this season is not uplifting people, but I would like to see how they react and how they come out of this adversity wise. So it'll be interesting. Can I ask a quick question? Please. Maybe it's not quick, but uh, at some point, I want to talk about, with you guys about if Pete, John, and Russ come back, which is not what any of us. I almost did that tonight, but I didn't want to do it without Evan. <laughs> like, what would be the top, how, how would you fix this team if all three of them were back? And for me, it's still the same answer. Like, offensive line, like every resource, mm -hmm. every resource, offensive line and pass rush. Like, mm -hmm. but anyway. Oh my God, this fan base would have a meltdown if they all. Oh my God, I know. I am, <laughs> that would be I am, fun like, you talk about watching those things, like, and Russ never going through this. I am curious. Like, he was glassy eyed um, mm -hmm. after that game. And if he is able to be part of putting something back together here mm -hmm. and digging deep with this group and connecting with them on that level and being vulnerable, like, it seems like he was. Um, mm -hmm. after this game 
which is not the Russell Wilson we've come to know. That's very polished and very upbeat no matter what. Something cool could happen. I mean, it could give him more reason to stay, more investment in the players in that locker room to, to be part of what comes next. It could be players buying into him in ways that they might not have before. So mm-hmm. that's like the, the super optimistic, but it's, I mean, it's also human. Like yeah, when you go to battle with people and you go through adversity, things happen. Relationships mm-hmm. change. I think it'd be interesting too. And I, I don't think that all three of them staying is as far off of a possibility as maybe some people think. I think that there, that could be a definite possibility. So we'll have to have a long conversation about that at some point. So, all right. Did anyone pull up the Patreon questions? I did. Yay. Um, okay. I'm going to take the first one from John Hurlbut. Yes, I am ready to start rooting for Myers to make field goals uh, <laughs> for my my uh, marriage's sake. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't know the number that that is up to yet. So I'm 100% on board with Jason Myers not sucking ass anymore. Um, okay. Uh, so Dana, if, if Pete does go, Tom Frieden wants to know who stands out as a head coach option to you. Um, he likes Byron Lefwich, Brian Dabble, and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, is there who, who kind of comes to mind for you if, if Pete does move on? I will tell you, I am terrible at this because I don't know a lot about college football. And I, it's just because I, I can't keep track of different players every year. It's too much for me. So I don't watch a ton of college ball. So I know that there's a lot of people there. But I think um, Gable is kind of high on everybody's list. I think that that's who, I'm, I'm sorry, I think I said that right, um, is, is high on everyone's list. Everyone really likes him. But I will tell you what type of coach I want. I, I know this sounds crazy. And everyone's like, we need an offensive coach. We need a defensive coach. <laughs> shaking his head. We need a defensive-minded coach that brings in a very strong offensive coordinator because that is the balance I like, and that's the balance that won this team a Super Bowl. And so I, I that's the type of balance I want. Um, and I know that people are going to be alive for that one, but that's, that's where I would lean. Um, a little bit. I will tell you that um, oh, Eric Bieniemy is not on my list. I see his name get thrown around a lot. He he is not on my list. I would not be happy to see him in Seattle. Um, that is just not a fit that I think would work. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind a defensive coach. We could bring Mike Tomlin over. He's my favorite. <laughs> He's my favorite. Sorry. Uh, you certainly have a type. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Brian, do you have anyone that jumps out, uh, kind of jumps out for you? Um, no, I mean, the name that I kind of threw out recently that hasn't been talked about as much is Greg Roman. Um, I think, uh, he's the OC for Baltimore now. And I mean, I wrote about it in my morning after column that probably no one's reading at this point. (laughs) I actually had a lot of (laughs) folks to give me some nice comments after this one, but what I'm seeing happening is I think I'm not a film guru, but like, I think that, that because of the two deep safeties that, that other defenses are playing against Russell and taking away the sideline deep passes and forcing him to make throws that he is not happy to make those intermediate seam routes, slant routes that are just not maybe his strength. I think we are finding that to get, to get a team out, a defense out of too deep, they might need a run game. They might need an effective run game. 
and and uh don't scare nathan don't scare uh, nathan i regret asking this question so <laughs> I, much i mean look third quarter of the steelers game the exact thing happened they, they actually ran the ball that was they they got them out of the too deep look they brought a safety down this does not mean you need to run to be able to play action or you need to run to be able to pass but i do think your ability to run the ball does affect how many players um, a team commits to the box and so there are other ways to get out of it russ could start making those throws but I am interested in a guy like Greg Roman, who's a very creative um, coordinator with uh, mobile quarterbacks and with the running game. Maybe he'd be an interesting fit. So that, that's a name that's. Can I can I add one more thing? I've seen this a lot on Twitter. There there seems to be a, a handful of Seahawks fans who have a rallying cry to bring Dan Quinn back. What do you guys think about bringing Dan Quinn in as a head coach? I like Dan Quinn. <laughs> I like Dan Quinn, but do you like him as a head coach? I would be fine with Dan Quinn, but it wouldn't be. I don't know that Dan Quinn fixes what's wrong with the Seahawks. Great. The, the best thing I would say about Dan Quinn, and Nathan, you should answer this too, but Dan Quinn did bring in Kyle Shanahan. And a lot of people have said what's wrong with Pete is he doesn't just hand over the offense to an OC, which I'm not yeah. totally sure of, but let's just assume that that's true. Dan did, gave it to Kyle Shanahan, who became a head coach, and that was his first hire. So if he has another OC that he's willing to hand it off to, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that could be, that could be good to have a defensive coach who brings in an offensive coach. Yeah. I would be pretty underwhelmed by Dan Quinn, but I like the idea of hiring a coach on their, for their second job. Um, mm -hmm. I think he does a lot of times where they've learned a lot. Um, and yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, he's got a, at least the track record of bringing Shanahan. So, uh, that's good. Um, uh, somebody that I've liked for a long time is Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, but that one is probably out the window now. Yeah. In uh, my wild card that'll make a lot of people mad probably is Gus Malzahn, but um, just to throw a couple college names out there. Um, all right. Uh, Kanishk Shukla wants to know, Brian, considering the offseason will likely shake up quite a few things, what's your expectation for next year? Does mm -hmm. Seattle go back to having a winning season? Depends on what they do with Russ. Um, if if they trade Russell, I don't think the expectation should be that next year's a winning season. Uh, maybe even the next two years. Um, it just depends on how things go. If they don't trade Russ, then yeah, absolutely. The expectation should be a winning season. But is it a winning season that's relevant? Like that, there's just no way to know um too too way too many unknowns whether it's coaching or the acquisitions or other things that go on so um that's that's where my head is um a lot of questions about uh you know russ john or pete leaving um so palmer has several of these questions uh i guess right now if you had to put your mortgage on the table how many first round picks do you think Russell Wilson gets in a trade? Dana? Two. Brian? Three. I think I'm more, oof, I have no idea. I'm going to say two right now. Um, uh, so John Hurlbut also wants to know, if you were DK Metcalf, would you consider signing a contract with, this, uh, with the Seahawks at this point? 
Um, and on the flip side, if you're the Seahawks, do you offer him an extension? Uh, Brian? They'll franchise DK. They won't, they will, you don't let, you don't let him walk. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the, that's how they force him to an extension. Um, but as I've kind of mentioned before, I think one of the lesser discussed options for getting additional first round picks would be if someone would trade two firsts for DK, mm-hmm. um, like they traded two firsts for Joey Galloway back in the day. Um, I don't know um, if I, I don't think that there's someone that would make that trade at this point. Um and I don't think you trade DK for one first. You don't trade a young blue chip to hopefully get another young blue chip. I, I just don't think that makes sense. But anyway, those are my thoughts. So, okay, that kind of segues into an interesting uh, question that Sam Brown asked. Um, which of these young players would you choose to keep going forward? And who would you be willing to part with for either picks or cap relief? Cap relief? Um, so the thing with these questions is always like, if somebody wants to give you five first round picks for DK Metcalf, um, you should probably take that, right? So like, uh, you know, um, considering, you know, uh, what would be a reasonable, fair deal for any of these players, uh, who would you be willing to move on with from? Um, DK, D. Eskridge, Freddie Swain, DJ Dallas, Damian Lewis, Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, Trey Brown, Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi, and DJ Reed. Who's that a question to? Uh, let's start with Dana. So we're, who we'd keep and who we'd trade? Yeah, okay, let's just round table this really quick. You just say, okay. you know, what wouldn't trade, would trade. Uh, DK Metcalf, Brian. Let's say you just get one pick, one first round pick. No. Dana? No, no. okay. Mm-hmm. D. Eskridge, um, third no. round pick. You're not going to get, you're not going to get value for him. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think at best. You get I'd hold on to him. Yeah, okay. give him at least one more year to prove that he's something. Freddie Swain, what would you trade Freddie Swain for? <laughs> a box of chips. I mean, there are boxes <laughs> of chips out there, by the way. Uh, yeah. I probably would want like a fifth or sixth. Maybe. Oh There's nobody I mean, that's giving you that. No, I, 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 I would have, take hey, it. Hey, right. He asked me what I wanted. I'm just telling you. I, I, I should yeah, I'll just shut up. Go DJ Dallas. Are you getting anything for DJ, DJ Dallas? How could you get a pick for DJ Dallas when you can just sign yourself an Adrian Peterson right off the street? Oh, true. Uh, <laughs> Damian Lewis. Would you trade Damian Lewis for a second round pick? Sure. Dana? I don't know that I would. Would you trade him for a third round pick, Brian? Um, uh, No, I don't think I would. Yeah, he's kind of right there in that middle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's tough. Would you trade Daryl Taylor for a second round pick? No. First round pick? No. Ooh, that's pretty spicy. You're no on that as well, Dana? I would think about that one a little <laughs> more, I think. But no, I think that he's shown that he's very coachable and, and could be quite an asset to this team. So I think I'd probably want to hold on to him. What do you need to trade Alton Robinson? Brian. Second round pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. Oh, I might want a second and a third, like the next yeah. year. I mean, I might want. Yeah, like multiple picks. pay. Like, it, like maybe the first year is just a second, but I think you need more down the road on that one. You need the Jadavian Clowney package. <laughs> sure. 
uh dana what would you trade or what would you need to trade trey brown oh i don't think i'd want to Mm-mm. nothing I'd hold on to him like a first i, I mean I, well no one's gonna give no him one's first, gonna give first but yeah. yeah so i and i wouldn't trade him for a second i i think that there's a lot of upside on that kid so i'd want to see more from him for sure and he's injured so i mean i know that that's not what you yeah. mean like yeah. his, val- his value to trade ratio is off so i definitely would keep him. yeah uh, okay, just a couple more names here. Uh, Marquise Blair. This is a sad one. I don't think you can get anything for him. I mean, what do you maybe need? A, like a six? Maybe a fifth. It's a fifth or six. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Oof, yeah. Um, I would not trade Marquise Blair for what it's worth. Uh, and Ugo's an interesting one, too, because I, I feel like he is one of those weird guys that's going to be way more valuable to your team than anyone is willing to trade. Like, I don't know that mm-hmm. I would trade Ugo for a fifth. Although he's got to be close, third. yeah, I guess third. he's got to be close to his contract year at this point, right? Yeah, and they're probably, probably another gonna, year. Or so, are they going to pay him? Would you want to extend Ugo? No, I, I mean that's the exact kind of player that you can't spend the money on. Like he is a league average, maybe a little bit below mm-hmm. league average nickel corner. They got to go back to the drawing board, find another one. Um, yeah, I think I think he's I think that he would get more on the free market than I would be okay with paying him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh and DJ Reed. Dana, what would you want to get to trade DJ Reed? I don't know that I would until there wasn't <laughs> someone else to take his place. Cause I mean, my God, he's he basically saved the cornerback position for us the last year or so. So um I don't know. I, I kind of like DJ Reed. I mean, obviously I would, if someone offered us a second round pick for him or something, you know, with some extra, you, you take it, but I, I don't know that I would want him gone from the team. He really has been kind of, I mean, I know everyone kind of likes CJ and I think people, you know, appreciate him, but he really has been kind of an unsung hero. I like, think so. I yeah. Where would this team be if, if they hadn't managed to get that to pick him up? Well, he's an undrafted, um, uh, unrestricted free agent next year. So we won't be able to trade him, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, hopefully they pay him okay I think uh, <laughs> uh, yeah there's a lot of variations of uh, <laughs> who do you fire or keep Pete John Russ um, so I think we're good on, on Patreon questions from there I think that that conversation will happen like week 17 i think that that's the conversation that needs to have more toward the end of the season as we see how they kind of adjust to that i i think it's a little early still but i know not everyone agrees with me but i just really feel like that might be a smidge early let's let's just give it a minute so let's talk about san francisco freaking hate this game i hate playing san francisco drives me crazy and it, the funny thing is is i have san francisco people on my on my timeline because i do cover them too and they hate this game as much as we do because they just feel like Russell Wilson comes in and dominates and they hate him for it. And Seattle people hate it because they feel like San Francisco is just like the enemy. And so there's just so much anger (laughs) in this game. Um, I think that that's going to make an instrument. What's hard for Seahawks fans is this is the first time I think that we are kind of the underdog looking up at these guys. San Francisco is playing very good ball right now. Um, as good a ball as Jimmy Garoppolo can play. Um, but I find that this game is much more intimidating now than the first game was of this season. Um, 
<laughs> I hate to ask your feelings, but but Brian, what what are you feeling about this San Francisco game? Um, Other than you hate it. <laughs> no, you know it's funny, Dana. I so I don't know if people realize because some people probably just tuned out a lot of Seahawks stuff, but Fred Warner and Debo Samuel are not playing in this game. Mm-hmm. Both are out with injuries. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Debo Samuel is a huge part of their offense. And so now you've basically got George Kittle and Elijah Mitchell in the run game. And they've been really, really focused on the run game. And the Seahawks, by all, by most metrics, even some of the advanced ones, are a good run defense. Um, and that's where their strength is. So if the Seahawks can slow them down and make them a one-dimensional team and make Jimmy Garoppolo have to pass the ball then the 49ers are beatable like this could be another game where the defense could could actually hold the 49ers down um but it's the offense and um here's the thing like i think fred warner being out is interesting because that could affect both the run game and the pass game. He's an excellent pass defender in zone. Like that could open up something for Gerald Everett, who's been getting more involved lately and could open up something for Alex Collins or whoever's going to catch a screen pass. So I don't know if, if, if I didn't know anything else that'd be going on with the Seahawks season, I was just looking at the players on the field and the matchups. I would be fine with this game for Seattle. And I would actually probably pick Seattle to win this game. Um, The main thing that keeps me, I don't know if you're looking for predictions yet, but the main thing that has me um, thinking it's the other way is just that even though a lot of us felt like the season was over a long time ago, I think for the team, they realized it was over this past week. And I just have a feeling they're going to hit a freight train like emotionally and it could just not go well. So that, that's, that's the main thing. Like it's the psychological part, the intangible part that has me thinking mm-hmm. it might not be a fun day for Seattle fans. It might not be. And it, it remind me, is this game, is it in Seattle? It is in Seattle. It is in Seattle. Okay. Got moved well, up that to hasn't been twenty-five because nobody wants to watch our shit. That's for sure. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Yeah. So I'm looking, Nathan. I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats. Um, he hasn't thrown more than two touchdowns in a game all season. He has had games with multiple interceptions. He's had thrown over three hundred yards three times all season. Um, th- this looks to be, at least in my opinion ripe for Quandre Diggs is picking if he does not get that pick six this year swear to god I'm gonna go insane but this looks like the perfect game for the defense so my question is for you I, I'm not so worried about that side of the ball what do you think are the kind of more key matchups for the offense that if this offense can get it together where should they go should they lean more on the run game against San Francisco should they throw it more um, you know, down the line, I, I know you don't like the run game, but looking at San Francisco specifically, where, where's their opportunities there? I mean, I think their opportunities are, you know, are where their talent is, uh, which I don't know, it sounds kind of dumb, but uh, it's, they don't have a DK Metcalf in the backfield. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, I worry less about, you know, what is the other team kind of pose and and 
you know, there are times where you definitely need to take that into consideration and everything. And, um, but I, I don't, I, you have Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett, DK Metcalf. That's where your talent is. And so I don't think, you know, trying to establish the run, right. Or, or force the run um, is, is what you want to do here. Especially, I mean, <laughs> we just talked about it. Adrian Peterson might get like 10, 15 carries in this game. Uh, that I, that doesn't sound like a recipe for success to me. So, you know, I, I think it's pretty, you would have to have a team that you'd have to be going up to against like the LOB uh, combined with whatever is a really bad rushing defense uh, to really make me think that you need to, to look anywhere outside of the passing game. It's a, Interesting. San Francisco is an interesting team to me. And, and the reason I say that is that they are so inconsistent most of the time over the years. I'm not talking about just this year specifically, but they really seem to have come caught some fire over the last few games. They beat Minnesota. They played Jacksonville. They played LA, you know, they, they, Arizona, Chicago. I mean, they, they looked good against some of these things, not all, but some, um, so I want to know what your predictions are. Do, do you think, A, that the Seahawks can win? And is there, is there any chance of that in your mind at all? Um, and then what your score predictions are. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important to note, like I've, I've mentioned this before, we talk so much about how Sean McVay has owned Pete Carroll. Pete mm-hmm. Carroll has owned Kyle Shanahan more than Sean McVay so Pete Carroll yep. like right. it's kind of gone around in circles right and then Kyle Shanahan Shanahan owns Sean McVay so um I think there is a 20% chance that the Seahawks win this game um I think that my prediction is that the 49ers are going to win my, my instinct on this is the 49ers are going to win this in a very frustrating, uncomfortable way. I think it could, it could be. So my, my prediction is uh, 37 to 7, 49ers um, in this game. You honestly think Jimmy Garoppolo can score 37 points? I don't think it's necessarily going to all be Jimmy Garoppolo. I think. But I mean, it has to be some of them really that, that big. And you just said, you just gave us a whole thing about how the defense is good. <laughs> I know. I'm just I, telling you. I just think. That number shocks me. I, I, look, the 49ers have been scoring a lot of points lately. And if, like I said, I think that run defense, so much of it is about effort and commitment. And if there's one thing that gives first, it's run defense fair. when you That's don't fair. believe anymore. And so if that floodgate opens, I think the 49ers could just run all over the Seahawks and it could be just a brutal, brutal game. Cause if, and then, you know, if they're running all over them and the Seahawks offense is doing what it's been doing, then uh, that's what I think would happen. So um, it's not what I'm hoping happens. And I do think that if the defense does show up and plays well, then I do think the, the, the Seahawks could absolutely win this game, but um, I just don't think it's the most likely outcome. Nathan, where are you, where are you at? Where's Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they scoring 37 points? <laughs> no, no, I hope not. Um, I hope not. 
I think this defense still has a lot to play for. Uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to say about Jamal Adams, he doesn't have any quit in him. Um, I, I don't think Bobby's going to roll over. Um, and then you have guys like Jordan Brooks, who is still trying to establish himself and prove himself. Quandre Diggs wants to get paid. Um, so I, 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 it does like this season leading to a point where they the team visibly like i think brian's right they visibly like realized the season was over after that game Mm -hmm. and then to get san francisco at home like it kind of has the makings of a disaster um but you know that'll be the if if that happens as bad as the season's been that'll be the first time right uh, unless i'm just wildly forgetting something every game has not been they haven't been blown out right um and so i think you know it's probably going to look a lot like the games have recently but maybe without all the kicking luck they've had and so maybe it does end up something like you know 27 12 or something like that i think i think in my opinion i think this game is going to look a lot like last week's game I think that it's going to be a lot of defense. It's going to be Seattle's offense struggling, but breaking through on at times. Um, But I think that they just feel differently about these divisional games. I think that that's important. I don't care if they don't win another game. They, these players, if they beat San Francisco twice and they've only won four games all season, that is something to hold on to, right? Like that's, I think that that's a big deal. But so I think that they're going to play really hard in this game. And I think that they'll play really hard in front of their, the home fans. This was an away game. I would be a little more concerned. Not that we've had, not that Seattle has had home field advantage at all this year, but I just feel like that's just, I don't know. There's a little bit of pride there. Um, I hope anyway. So I feel like it's going to be more of a low scoring game. I, I think it's going to be closer to like maybe 20 to 17, maybe 23, 17. Um, and to be honest with you, it's going to come down to whoever gets it at the end. So Russell, like I said, Russell Wilson brought up the fact that they've had these close games that they can't get on the winning side of. Um, and so I, I'm going to say Seattle's going to barely win this game. God help us. We might need Jason Myers to do it, but, um, I'm hoping that there's a little, a little effort in there that they can get on the right side of a close game for this one, just because I think that there'll be a little, they'll dig a little deeper for San Francisco. I just offer on that note, it was easier to see the Seahawks lose by not converting a two point conversion and not getting an onside kick that they actually recovered than it would have been if Jason Myers had missed an extra point. I agree. (laughs) Like I would have just, Oh, I would have exploded. (laughs) I mean, uh, so at least we didn't have that happen. At least we didn't have that. And on that note, I know we went really long, you guys. I'm really, really sorry about that. It was a good conversation, though. But give everybody the Patreon spiel, Brian. Well, yeah, if you haven't already, give the show a like. Thank you for, for tuning in. It's been a fun discussion and good. A lot of stuff going on in chat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say if you are going to the game, expect a fair amount of 49ers fans because 49ers fans, are the opposite of faithful. They are fair weather. And when things are going well, they show up because they think they can win. These are all the same folks that were saying trade Jimmy and fire Kyle like earlier on and that Russ is like the best and you can't like all this stuff. 
they're going to be there. They're not always the most polite crew. So, um, you know, keep your distance, keep your, uh, your comments to yourself as much as you can and uh, try to enjoy yourself. Um, also, if you haven't already given the show a like, do that. Subscribe to the channel. Click the little bell to get notified when we go live. Because who knows, we might sign uh, Walter Payton next uh, from the grave. It, it's possible because um, we just are looking for, for running backs. But um, <laughs> we will cover that if it happens. Um, and go over to patreon.com slash Join up there. Get immediate access to our Slack channel where the conversation continues. A season long, multiple seasons long of celebrating and commiserating, laughing and more than a few tears. Um, do it together, we'll do it with you and the proceeds go to charity. So thank you for doing it. It's been a good season in that regard at least. And uh, we appreciate your support and hopefully you're enjoying making some good friends um, through that process. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Dana O'Gorman for hosting tonight. <laughs> Excellent job. I've <laughs> been ably replaced uh, and thankfully done. <laughs> Uh, and thanks for everyone tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week uh, and go Hawks.